The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. And I'm Rick. <laughs> hey, we're going to switch up in teams this week. How's it going, everybody? Um, for those who don't know, uh, Corey had a little incident this week. He's reached out to some of you already, and you guys have spoken to you. Some of you know what's going on. Um, Corey is an open book. If you want to know what uh, what's going on, reach out to him. He'll explain the whole thing. Uh, but know that everybody's okay, everybody's safe, nothing is, uh, nobody's got, uh, uh, Rick, I won't invoke the name again, but uh, no, nobody's got the dreaded virus. <laughs> so everybody's, oh, that's close, you're pushing it. That's pushing it, but you know, there's a lot of viruses out there, but not that virus. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's good, everybody's healthy, uh, we'll, we'll expect Corey back soon, but uh, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's, that's the quick update, but uh this week, we've got a little bit of a different crew, and the timing is kind of good because we're talking about uh, a really important and amazing piece of canon material this week in Son of Dathomir. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, let's do a quick little catch-up. Marie, how are you doing? I'm good. Doing well. I um, am spending my... I guess, quarantine time, um, taking free online, well, auditing online courses on epidemiology. So I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> I've hey, always had you. a fascination with it. So yeah, my wife does too. Like she has, she has books on like, um, one book, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's, uh, the great influenza. It's this really awesome book and she just loved it. And so stuff like that. She's just so fascinated on, on how viruses spread and how they mutate and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, otherwise you've been, uh, keeping safe over there. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, right now, you know, we're underneath, under some tornado situations, but I'm doing well. There's lots of thunder outside, but it's all good. Um, and Star Wars related, um, I finished the Rise of Skywalker novelization, and that was really, really good. Yeah, now I'm the, I'm the only one that hasn't read it here. <laughs> my, to my great Hashtag shame. Fake fan. Yeah, fake fan. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, I will read it. I definitely will read it. And you would think, <laughs> with this all this downtime, um, I, I would have that leeway to read a book, but uh, sadly, you'd be wrong. <laughs> but Rick, how you doing over there? I'm good, you know, still out in the world, still feeling essential, I suppose. Um, you know, working, doing our thing here, and being safe and wrapping ourselves in saran wrap before we leave the house every day. So, yeah, we're good. Awesome. Uh, have you, what have you guys done with your collecting? I know you're not like huge collectors in the way that, that, uh, you know, Corey has to go out during self-isolation and pick up figures anyway. Um, have you guys been adding or is, are you on, is that sort of on lockdown as well? 
Well, um, I have received several gifts from, so I've recently started a relationship with someone who is in the 501st, which is awesome um, because he's as obsessed with Star Wars as I am. Um, and he has given me a Mandalorian Funko Pop and a Hera Funko Pop. And I feel like there's another one. Um, I feel like I can't, I can't remember what the other one was, but there were several Funko Pops that I received, which is super awesome. And I got a BB-90 plush and a Porg plush and just all these wonderful Star Wars gifts. (laughs) Nice. Well, you got to fill up that new condo with, with, uh, you know, the right stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How about you, Rick? Um, not so much in the way of, uh, I, I don't have a 501st boyfriend to buy me things, Marie. So <laughs> there's that. Um, and you know, I haven't really been out to, I did get some black series toilet paper, um, last week, which was, uh, which was nice. Um, what's the difference no, but, between um, black you know, I, series and, and, uh, like say vintage collection toilet paper. It's, uh, it's six inches wide and not three and three quarter inches wide on the roll. So. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's highly articulated paper too. Um, no, so for me, the, um, you know, last week they had that, um, that fan appreciation event through Hasbro. Um, so I went ahead and put in a pre-order for the carbonized Boba Fett that I'll probably get sometime, sometime in the spring of 2027, depending on the way the world works. And, um, last night or the night before I was kind of just bored and not really doing anything after, uh, after the kiddo went to bed and I was scrolling through the PlayStation network and I saw that, uh, Jedi fallen order was on sale. So I went ahead and picked up, uh, the game of, uh, fallen order with the, um, had like an extended bundle with it where you got like, uh, extra skins for uh, BD one and some other stuff. So it was like $5 more than the regular version, but it was still only about $40 US when I think that version was maybe 70 or 75 originally. Um, so I figured, eh, what the hell? I don't really have extra time, so who knows when I'm gonna play it. But I do own it and I haven't even I haven't even looked at it yet. I bought it and did the up like the upload for it and then turned off the PS4 and then <laughs> that was it. So <laughs> but I have it. Uh Marie, are you a gamer? Have you played that? Um, I okay, so I do own it. Um, and I started playing it with the help of my boyfriend, but for some reason, and now I'm, I'm a big Pokemon person, as I've said many times, and that's easy to understand. I've played Zelda. That's easy to understand, but I'm having some major issues with figuring out how the Xbox works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like super technologically challenged. It's really sad. I think you're so, taking the wrong on horses, Marie. That, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but uh, I keep getting stuck. Like right now, I'm stuck on a train and I can't get off of it. I can't figure out how to get off of the darn train. <laughs> <laughs> so I just gave up. Remember, I'll come back to it at some point. But remember that episode of The Simpsons when Homer had his arms stuck up the vending machine, and they called the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a crowd gathered and it was hours and hours went by and they can't get his arm out. Have you tried letting go of the can? 
<laughs> oh man uh, yeah just let, let go of the train but guess what uh, Rick <laughs> dust off that hashtag again because I, I I don't own Fallen Order yet so hit me with the fake fan tag hashtag fake fan yeah. got me you got me I do I do hope to get that I mean it's 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 on sale at the, on the PlayStation store I should probably check that out that would probably mean it's the, the physical copy is also going to be rebated soon Maybe I should look into Probably. it. Probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's... I, it, you see most of the gaming services, you know, PSN or the Xbox, you know, Steam and all of that, they have been running sales on a lot of games lately. I mean, every, every all the nerds right now are playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and Animal Crossing, and <laughs> I don't speak those language. I don't speak those languages. So, yeah, when I, when I saw that Fallen Order was on sale, I was like, yeah, it's a no-brainer, even if I don't play it for another year. At least I have it. I think you can always fall back to it. Yeah. Um. Cool. And uh, well, you guys added to your collections, and I am really lagging because I did nothing this week. Nothing. Nothing to the collection. No Fallen Order. No Rise of Skywalker novelization. I'm a big fat donut this week. Oh. Wow. You're gonna you're gonna have to switch fandom soon. <laughs> well, with this lack of dedication, what fandom would have me? <laughs> really, like they they'd all reject my application. It's terrible. It's good. You can, um, I don't know, you find like uh, you can be part of the like Nick at Night fan club and just watch TV at home. <laughs> <laughs> Live tweet Nick at Night. <laughs> no, I, I, I give me, I, I don't know, maybe I just have to grow, uh, jump in, jump on board Montreal's growing uh, MLB, return MLB to Montreal bandwagon. They, they could always use the help. That's true. Yeah, I mean it'll happen, but uh, but you can't have Andre Dawson back. I'm sorry. We're not going to get into that today, Rick. We're not going to do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I don't know that there was much news to discuss last week. Um, Rick, you had posted something up in the Facebook group from Bespin Bulletin about the Cassian Andor show. Like, if you were are somebody who's really looking forward to this, Marie, I know you're one of them. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> Surprise, but uh, filming has been pushed back from uh, the scheduled 2020, summer 2020 uh, window. And uh, who knows? Who knows when this is actually going to be filming? Uh, thanks to the uh, the incident that shall not be named, Rick. That's right. You cannot. Don't don't, don't you dare give it more power. <laughs> but I mean. So it was, um, it was, uh, Bestman Bulletin brings us the news, uh, is an exclusive interview with comic book movie and Neil Scanlon. We, we all know Neil Scanlon. Uh, he confirmed that the Cassian Andor series will not begin filming in June and that the team had completed six weeks of pre-production before the project was shut down due to the bleep. So, <laughs> uh, Rick, I guess your stunt work on the Cassian Andor series will have to wait. <laughs> That's right. I, you know, I'm, I'm do, I am I'm took the couch cushions off. I've been doing a lot of uh, just tumbling and learning how to fall. And uh, I'm practicing my accent because I got I can't do Cassian with a Chicago accent. That's not going to work. You got, you're working on your six, your whole six years. No, I got I got that part down a long time ago. Okay, We're good, good there. <laughs> are, are we bummed about this news or like for me, I, I almost feel like this show is just never going to happen. 
Like one thing after another will, will keep happening. Marie, obviously you're bummed about this. Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. Um, but then we've had all the weird news about the Obi-Wan series. So not necessarily recently, but just all the backtracking and stuff. So I don't know. But with the success of The Mandalorian, you'd think that they would be gung-ho with the other series. Yeah, I, I guess what brings me confidence is at least they had done six weeks of pre-production. So, like, they were right. working. Yeah, exactly. How you feeling, Rick? You know, it, knowing that um, Tony Gilroy was brought on board and, you know, that there was some pre-production at least uh, happening, you know, th- things were starting to rock and roll there. Um, you know, it, it's that sliver of hope that, you know, things are going to still you know, proceed eventually, you know, this is, you know, there's all of these extenuating circumstances that nobody anywhere in the world or anywhere outside of earth could have, you know, foreseen. Um, so, you know, I mean, we just, we, we don't have a choice, but to, to roll with things, uh, right now as far as, um, production, but, you know, there's going to be this huge backlog of production work for shows and movies once, you know, knock on wood, everything is um, all said and done. That it's going to be scheduling is going to be really hard for uh, for lots of shows and movies that are going to be restarting. Essentially, you know, every, all the movies that are done, that you know, their dates are being pushed back because theaters are closed. That's one thing, but when you have you know pre-production and production schedules that are going to need to be shuffled around. That's going to take up so much more time and to have to restructure priorities um, within different um, production houses is going to be that in and of itself is is a massive undertaking. But as far as the Cassian thing goes, um, I feel bad for a, a, a friend of mine on, on the Twitter, my friend Catherine Neen, who is a monster Cassian Andor fan like that's her thing. Everybody has their thing. That's her thing. And I know she's been really looking forward to it, like coming to celebration in Anaheim and like hoping that there's a Cassian panel and all of that. And she's such an angel and a sweetheart. And like, yeah, it's got to be for her being the super fan of that character um, is uh, that kind of stuff breaks my heart. Like when when people are so anticipating a thing and it's getting pushed back and all the same, like the people that are like super into whatever Kenobi is going to bring, you know, like all the Kenobi, the Kenobi, the Kenobi stands out there that they got to wait too. And, you know, on, on the other hand, you know, it, it gives something for people to, to aspire to or and to look forward to. You know, yeah. I mean, for, for what it's worth, um, it still says here that it's uh, still scheduled for a 2021 release. So maybe they're not committed to, probably, to moving it. Yeah. That was probably the plan to begin with, you know, if if they were planning on filming in the summer anyway, you know, there's, there's no way that they would have, I can't see them stacking the Mandalorian, Kenobi and Cassian all in the same year. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's even a heavy if, you know, year. if it's, yeah, even if it's only 10 or 12 episodes per series, that's, that's a lot to have on your docket, especially when there's new Marvel shows and which are also being delayed and you know, everything else that Disney is going to be producing for, for the, um, for Disney plus. Yeah, no doubt. Now, you know, I wonder if there's like a knock on effect, like once they start rolling again, 
and schedules. I don't know if they're going to push everything down because I think in some ways they're going to be very desperate to get stuff out quickly, relatively quickly, so that they can keep their streaming service going. Um, man, I mean, it just Disney Plus yeah. is doing well. Like it just crossed 50 million subscribers a week or two ago. So it's doing phenomenally well, I think. Um, but at some point, like if it's not being populated with new content, that number will stagnate or slow or whatever. Um, so I, I wonder if there will be some sort of directive from on high to like, okay, guys, back to work. We, especially with uh, the new CEO, like the new Bob, Bob Chapek, is that his name? Anyway, yeah. apparently he's a cheapskate. So, <laughs> so I wonder if he's going to be like, no, you're going to have to do more with less guys. Get going. Get this stuff out on the service. And I, I wonder if that will just create some sort of tangible feeling that some of the content, not only just with Star Wars, but with Marvel and whatnot, will stuff be evidently clearly rushed because they want to get stuff out. I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Well, that's that would be the case with any studio or, or production house you know outside of disney plus you sure. know the, the big movie studios it's the same thing whatever they had planned to start filming again like i said it's going to cause this uh this log jam of production issues of like well no we scheduled this space for this thing and but you know some some other production like well we had that space too and it's you know it's going to be a nightmare scenario on the back end of all of this you know i mean it'll be great because we're all going to be still alive and stuff but it's going to be a lot of, you know a lot of headaches for people that have to make the decisions on well you know this was supposed to come out first so this needs to be filmed first and you know i'm glad i'm not the one making those kinds of decisions yeah, yeah. not not a good job to have i mean probably pays well but i don't i would want so. to be i wouldn't want to be in that spot not a chance um, anyway, let's uh, let's get into the main event here for this week. I am absolutely pumped to talk about this. Um, it, it's, it seems almost serendipitous, you know, not to shine any light on Corey's plight, but <laughs> uh, what what happened on, in that uh, situation opened up the door for us to talk about Son of Dathomir this week, which, man, there couldn't be a better time to talk about this book. You know, as we finish up with Ahsoka's walkabout arc, uh, this Martez sister arc right ahead of Siege of Mandalore. I think it's a good time to take a look at uh, another facet of this equation and, and take a look at Maul's adventures in Son of Dathomir, which is a story that connects a bunch of dots between all kinds of places in canon, from the prequels uh, to Clone Wars, of course, to Solo and more. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you guys found more stuff. But... Uh, this, this book, I mean, if you if you haven't read it, it was originally rele released in 2014, and it's the only story to survive the Lucasfilm purge of the old EU. And it's, it's based on unproduced scripts for what would have been uh, season six of The Clone Wars at the time, had it not been canceled, and was eventually adapted into um, a four-part comic book series written by Jeremy Barlow with art from Juan Frigeri. So I know you guys are also looking for, love, like love this book and are looking forward to talking to this about this. Uh, but Marie, what is what do you love most about this this arc? Hmm. I I really like Mother Talzin. Like, there's so much. Oh wait, are you, which arc are you talking about? Are you talking about the Son of Dathomir, or are you talking about Clone Wars? Son of Dathomir. Okay, yeah. 
Mother Talzin. So, um, so that connects to like, and it gets confusing. So you have to go back and kind of look at the different pieces of the puzzle and put them all together. Um, cause there's the extermination of the night sisters by general Grievous and the droid army and mother Talzin survives in the spirit world and then tries to become phys- in physical shape when in Bardota, when um, Jar Jar and Mace Windu go to Bardota to see why all these um, religious masters are disappearing and Jar Jar with his clumsiness ends up saving the day. And I love that. Um, but then mother Talzin is still in this, spirit realm form still not physical and then in son of dothamir you see um maul communicating with her as as her son communicating with her and i still don't quite understand how he's her son but that's i guess (laughs) another thing um (laughs) i don't understand how the species work there um so, because I've seen Zabrak females, and they look just like Zabrak males. So, he's either a hybrid, or I'm not sure. Um, so, the um, so she is communicating with him, and he, like, becomes a vessel of her to be able to communicate with her. And she's in this, like, non-corporeal form. And then, when they're back on Dothamir towards the end, and... Count Dooku is with them and Maul's basically bringing Count Dooku to be the sacrifice to make Mother Talzin become corporeal again. And that is the creepiest thing, seeing that green mist coming out of Count Dooku's eyes and he's her voice is coming out of his mouth and like then she becomes corporeal and it's just like really intense. And knowing that she has a history with Sidious that they like actually were buddies. I want to know more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that is that. The, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later as we deep uh, dive in deeper. But Rick, what's what is what what do you love about this arc? Because there's there's a lot to love about this arc, especially now. You know, I I gotta say, you know, I, I gotta throw the uh, hashtag fake fan on myself. I just finished reading this arc today. Um. I had never read this before. I bought the trade eh, two months ago and kind of sat on it, um, knowing that I was going to read it before the Siege of Mandalore stuff came out. I finished it this afternoon, and I was just like, what? You know, being that this was originally published by Dark Horse, and you look at a lot of the Dark Horse books that were coming out that are, you know, all legends now, um, they took some crazy risks, and, you know, they took these stories in some way out places. And... Son of Dathomir was no exception. Um, like to Marie's point of what you know, Marie, what, what you were saying about Mother Talzin. I'm I'm reading this series, and I have the voices of these characters from the Clone Wars in my head as I'm reading it. <laughs> and you 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 see Dooku speaking, but it's Talzin's voice, and it uh, just lends itself to this super creepy vibe, but. What I loved about this series, um, specifically the, the comic books themselves, the artwork in these four books was stunning. 
Um, to me, it, it's it's standout artwork, and um, the way the characterizations of each of these these individuals in in these books comes off the off the page. Like Dooku's smugness was like, oh, he was so smarmy and snarky and just. <laughs> Oh, it was just like dripping with just like so much just arrogance, and I loved it. Um, the way Dooku comes off in, in in this series is just the best. It reminds me a lot of the um, the uh, like the Jendi uh, Clone Wars uh, Dooku stuff that we got. The little bit that we got there, where everything about his character was just like just challenge me. You know, just like getting in your face and telling you just like you have no idea what you're up against without using so many words. I thought that was great. Outside of, you know, seeing all the Mandalorians, the Maldalorians, quote unquote, um, <laughs> and, and and that kind of stuff like that. It was all really cool. The action in, in the series was great. But like when you get into like character development and the way these characters were written, Dooku for me, stayed, he stands out so hard. He's like I said, he's just dripping with all of this. I'm going to use a word here. This is like, there's so much asshole coming out of here. And it's just like, ugh, that's, but I loved it. Yeah. Like, I really think that Bardo really nailed the villains. Like he, the characterization of Dooku, uh, Maul and, and Sidious, and either, even Mother Talzin, like nailed them all like that. Like the voicing was just correct. And I, I, I don't know if he was pulling lines from the scripts and, Maybe maybe he shouldn't get all the credit here, but uh, his name's on the cover, so I'm going to give it to him. Like I, I'm reading the book, and it I feel like I'm watching an episode of the Clone Wars, and it's yeah, it, it it's so seamless in that way for me. And like to to your point, Rick, the artwork is terrific, and it it's just a, it's a really epic arc that gets, I mean, everybody in the pool, like the Sith, uh, the Shadow Collective. The Night Sisters, uh, the Night Brothers, the Jedi, uh, the Mandalorians. Like, there's just such a huge scope to this story. Um, it, it probably demanded more than four issues, but this is what we've got. And it, it, it zips along really quickly. Um, but man, I can't help but think what would it, what I think, you know, it was supposed to be a six episode arc if it was going to be animated. Maybe I'm pulling that, that number out of nowhere, but oof, I can't imagine. Kyle, that would be so cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, and I'm probably gonna get some hate for this, but for the story that they put into four issues in this story, as action packed as it was, the character development that was here, personally speaking, for me, and I have to preface that for me, that's what was missing from the the Rise of Kylo Ren four issue series. Yeah, that, that story, that's but like the the and and it's not to say anything against Charles Soule as a writer because I love him. He's fantastic. He's a he's a great Twitter follow, but when you have a condensed story that's filling in a gap, I don't feel that the Rise of Kylo Ren had the same uh, story impact that this does. You know what I mean? Like this bridged gaps yeah. and. And it, and at the time when this was written, being now six or seven years ago, to be able to make this fit into a continuity that's still being released now says something about the way this story was written. The Rise of Kylo Ren could be that thing. 
if we get other stories around it, but the story that was in those books for me personally was lacking um, in some character development. And this, it, it, it's apples and oranges really, but it, but this story was so packed with so many different things. It had that action. It had that killer art. It had that character development. It, you know, it had the, the characters literally, you know, jumping off the page and brought in so many different elements to the larger story of the Clone Wars and, you know, the larger peripheral stories, you know, now being Solo and, you know, Ahsoka's personal arc and, you know, potentially things that could be coming up in the Mandalorian TV show. You know, there's so many tendrils coming off of this thing mm-hmm. that it just it just made for such a fantastic read. And again, I'm going to just shout this out to anybody. If you have not read this book, a, we're going to spoil the hell out of it, but B, <laughs> find a way to get your hands on this thing. Digital, I know, is the only way to go right now because there's no you know physical comic shops to get it, but get this thing and read it if you haven't. It's so good. It really is that good. And um, yeah. on the timeline, um, being a canon junkie, everybody wants to know, where does this kind of fit? Uh, it follows on the heels of the sort of uh, the return of Maul arc where Maul takes over death watch and forms the shadow collective. Um, and where like, he gets a, a, re- a Royal beat down at the hands of Palpatine. Um, and it, it kind of serves as a, a, a great bridge uh, from like the old clone war stuff to the new, especially with this current Ahsoka arc that we'll talk about later. It, it, there's a dovetailing there a direct dovetailing and that that's what makes this timing so, so unbelievable. Um, and it does a, a, a great job. Like one of the reasons, one of the reasons for being of this book is to sort of uh, explain or flesh out why, like when, when we fin- watched uh, Palpatine uh, basically leave Maul within an inch of his life uh, at the end of that, that uh, return of Maul arc, he goes, ah, I've got other plans for you. And then the season ends. <laughs> or at this, that that arc ends and we never yeah. pick up on it and the next time we see maul it's in rebels and we're like well, what happened why did palpatine <laughs> keep him alive that it's explained in here yeah and, and the whole the whole idea of why palpatine wanted to keep him alive is that he wanted to use maul to draw out mother talzin so he could finally snuff her out so bear like you have to bear in mind that this is right before order 66 this is right before revenge of the sith and Palpatine is now, like he's he's full court, like full steam ahead now with his plan. Like he wants to start leveling everybody so that it's just him left standing. And so, like his plan is to use Maul to draw out one of his biggest enemies in Mother Talzin and get rid of her. But the interesting part is, Mother Talzin's got the same plan to use Maul to lure Palpatine out so that she can kill him. And so there's, you know, there's double crosses going on yeah. all over the place here. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I love that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, you know, by the time you get into this story, and this is again, like another one of those tendrils that Rick's alluding to, like this, this is one that ties into solo directly that you learn that, that the huts have already bailed on mall. So like in the clone wars, uh, you know, uh, that, that lawless arc, the return of Maul arc, like you see Maul sort of uh, taking Mandalorians and getting the hut, the huts involved, Black Sun, 
uh, the Pikes and gathering all those different syndicates together under his under his rule. And by the time this story starts, the the huts there's been some passage of time since Palpatine uh, imprisoned Maul. The huts bailed. I guess that's what they do. Um, <laughs> and, and that just leaves, you know, um, Maul DeLoreans. I guess we'll call them uh, the Black Sun. <laughs> And the Pikes. That's what's left of Maul's forces. Um, so that's and, and that's a cool little tie-in to to Solo, or at least a little hint at what's going on in in, in Solo. Uh, so like, what else? What else goes, oh, sorry. So Maul's rescue from the Stygian prison. I think it's important to mention that. So uh, Prime Minister Almec, which again we'll, we remember him from uh, that that arc. He's sort of like the puppet prime minister. He's sort of like the face of the rule, like the like sort of like the faux ruler of Mandalore at this point, because it's really Maul. Uh, but he's he coordinates the uh, the rescue of Maul from prison, and sort of says like, "Yeah, you busted me out of prison. I'm busting you out of prison. We'll call it even." Um, but the, like we also see like in in this instance after the rescue, Maul gets his dark saber back. So as we can tr- continue to trace the path of that relic, Maul does have it here in this arc. And which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's another. It's, a, it's like one more thing that, as fans, we're like, "Ooh, the dark saber." Well, here it is. It's in full display in this arc. Um, where does that take us now? Um, right. So, like I said, like Palpatine's plan, like I said, is to, is to uh, annihilate his enemies. Right. So, uh, he's got he's got all his pieces in place. He's got Grievous. He's got Dooku. Um. Yeah, and that's I mean that those are those are his pawns, right? Those are those are his two pawns yeah. that he wants to put into play uh to start knocking out anybody who stands against him. Uh so really, I mean Rick, one of the things I love about this is it's the thing I, I love, but also wish it we got more of because we get some of these great confrontations like you get Maul versus Grievous, but you wish it was longer. And you get Maul versus Dooku at one point, and you're like, ah, like it barely gets off the ground. But uh, you get all these yeah. amazing confrontations in this book that, you, 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 man, if if they had had the time to do this on screen, what it could, what man, what it could have been. But in your mind's eye, it's still just as good. But like this, this is like, yeah, that. That's the only thing with with not having this be on a screen and it's in the book is, you know, in the book, it happens so quickly that you have these um, these like fantasy battles you know, <laughs> between, you know, Maul and Grievous and then Maul and Dooku and Maul and, you know, everybody, you know, like if, if, if they're a bad guy or there's, you know, seeing Maul fighting battle droids or B1 battle droids, you know, just commando droids like the if you wanted to see it you know it's in this book you know because it's the stuff that we just we, we didn't get to see on screen and it, it and yeah four issues probably six episodes if they had done it seems about right um you know and and each fight could have been a couple of minutes but yeah the way it is on the page it happens very quickly and the whole book reads so quickly yeah it, it runs along at a jj abrams pace yeah (laughs) yeah it really zips along like there's 
all the text is exposition and it's just set up for the next like set piece battle and it's just it just moves and, and like before i forget like one of the things that i had forgotten about you know i read this like i did a review on on this podcast of this book back in 2017 but it doesn't have the same meaning now as it, it then as it does now this book is like so much more elevated to me now uh but and one of the reasons for that is a uh, i don't know if this is where they got it abrams and terrio but a really great piece of connectivity to rise of skywalker is marie you were talking about it before when Mo- mother talzin is living in like the spirit realm and she wants to be made whole she wants to come back oh, in corporeal yeah. form right and what does she do it's the same thing that uh that palpatine does with ray and kylo like she sort of drains some some of uh dooku's life force essence and makes herself whole again and like when i reread that i was like holy shit <laughs> there it is yeah there it is and yeah i i i did the same thing this afternoon and i was like well there's the source of that thing and and you think about um uh, what's dominic monahan what's his character's name Beaumont. Yeah, dark magic. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There it is. It's 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 exactly what happens in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and Sidious. I I think he says. I think he actually says cloning. Uh, you know, uh, secrets only uh, Dark Horse fans would know. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, though. He's he's like yeah, cloning, uh, dark magic, secrets only the Sith knew. And well, as as it turns out, Night Sisters, but they're they're I mean they're exterminated. As of this book, I guess, or are they? No, they're not really, are they? There are <laughs> only two left. I mean, that's, that, one it, of them is Ventress, and one of them is um shows up in Fallen Order. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. There you go, Fallen Order. So yeah, exactly. spoilers. But boy, like, like when I say that this book took on it, added it importance when I gave it this reread, my jaw hit the floor. Like I that this detail of of Mother Talzin making herself whole in the way that Sidious does in Rise of Skywalker just made my jaw hit the floor. And again, I don't know if this is if that's where Abrams and Terrio got it, or if the story group maybe fed them a little piece of info. If it was a coincidence, it's a real happy one. <laughs> But so, like, I I love that. I absolutely love that. Um. Now, like one of the things, like it's later on in the book, and I think it's it's sort of into issue three, maybe. Yeah, this like it gets later on in the book. We've we've had n- no mention of the Jedi really. We don't see any of them. We don't hear them. Until issue three, and then as like just so suddenly, like as Chancellor, you've got Palpatine telling Mace Windu that he's got this intel that says Maul is running around causing trouble, and Palpatine kind of suggests, like, well, maybe he's the rogue Sith you're looking for, guys. Which <laughs> a very Palpatine thing to do to like throw the Jedi off his own scent. And then Windu go Windu's like, oh yeah, so 
all right, Dooku's the, the, the big bad, really, and Maul's his apprentice. Oh, my goodness. And Mace Windu's now going down this rabbit hole. But, like, that was one of the things, like, I, I go, wait a sec. Like, at some point, the Jedi have to learn that Maul really isn't the Sith they're looking for because they don't even mention him in, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, which, of course, uh, yeah. you know... They wouldn't because by that in two thousand five, Maul was dead. So I mean, I guess they learn at some point that Maul was defeated and went into hiding, presumed dead. I don't know. It's it's really weird. But like the Jedi involvement starts suddenly, ends abruptly. There's this battle on this asteroid outpost that the Mandalorians keep to themselves. And Kyle, Kyle, if I can interrupt, you know, I can. Yeah, please. Maybe think of a way to explain how. Maul is left out of the equation and in the eyes of the Jedi bleeding into episode three when Bo-Katan, you know, talks to Ahsoka in, you know, in this past Clone Wars arc, she's coming up with the idea that, you know, that they share a common enemy. That common enemy is Maul and his crime syndicates. And if through the siege of Mandalore, and again, a little bit of speculation here, if they end up defeating Maul, in that way, they've got to figure he's the Jedi probably figure Maul is out of the picture at that point, yeah. which would then lead to them thinking of like, you know, he has no relevance leading into Revenge of the Sith. And that would explain whatever his absence is yeah. in, in the movie. Yeah. Like which, that. The, and then starting up the movie, we just have Palpatine's kidnapping and Dooku um, losing his head. So, <laughs> which again is is basically foretold in the Son of Dathomir books. Um, Mother Talzin yeah. tells Dooku flat out, like Palpatine's not a nice dude, and he's gonna betray you. That's just like you know, it's it's a pattern of behavior, bro. Like I'm trying to tell you, man. Like <laughs> come hang out with us. We have a truth that is a dark side, and it's magic. And Palpatine's using you for xyz like he's gonna get you too he likes your neck and he wants to see it severed one day i'm just trying to say so you're right yeah. though you're absolutely right I, I i love that pull um and there's there's a scene there's a battle between the jedi and some some of the bad guys here that again not not to beat a dead horse but holy cow how like to see it on screen like to see mace windu and and kenobi and ayla sakura and uh, Tipley, and on the other side, you'd have Dooku, Maul, Grievous, some Mandos. Like, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're all in the same room, this big hangar. They're all in that hangar, and you're like, oh, man, this is like the Royal Rumble. This is going to be fantastic. And the, on in the comic, the whole battle's over in, like, two pages. You don't see Mace Windu at all. Like, you see the, you see the uh, I think it's Purple Saber is in, in one frame. But that, that's it. He doesn't do anything in the battle. And then at the end of it, he sort of, he wakes up rubbing his head and literally asking what just happened. Like, it's like, um, right. man, like there, you got to imagine that somewhere there's, I don't know if there's animatic reels or what, like how much action would have had, would have been seen on screen for this battle sequence, but it would have been so cool. So, so cool. But tragically, you know, I, I have to say, I'm sorry, I have to say about Master Tipley, who I don't know what species she is, but 
from the very first panel that she's in the books, um, she's got like kind of, she's got these like head fins that come off the sides, like where ears would be for us. Like they just kind of like a almost, like a tiger fish kind it, of design. They almost but, look but like she's all wings. red. Right, exactly. And I remember the first time I saw her on page, and she's named. I thought to myself, like, knowing that we, you know, she's not in Revenge of the Sith or, you know, mentioned anywhere else. I'm like, oh, God, like, this poor woman is the red shirt of the <laughs> Jedi Master crew. Like, she's just not. Because, again, I had never read the series before today. And oh, I was so bad that, like, when she finally does, when she dies, um, like, oh, the, the artwork is, it's brutal. Um, she gets, she gets running with a pair of lightsabers and RIP master Tipley, but man, again, yeah, yeah, like we, we talked about, you know, to, to have seen this on the screen would have been an amazing thing. I mean, you know, as comic readers, like we know well enough how to interpret these things and we put that action together for ourselves and it was still just as impactful. So Paul went out for master Tipley back in 2014. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think she had a brother or was it a twin sister named Tiplar? Sister. Who, sister. Tiplar, was that her name? Yeah. And she also bit the dust in, in an episode of the Clone Wars. Did she? Yeah. She, yeah, she did die, right? So they're, I mean, yeah, they were twins and they're the, both dead. The clone that, um, the chip went off, the chip malfunction. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's right. That. From, from the Lost Missions, right. Yep. And another reason to revisit that. And they looked those that species, whatever they are, they look really cool on screen. They're I, I maybe it's just it's an opinion, but I I I love the way they look. I just I just thought it was such a cool Star Wars look. But yeah, like you said, Rick, poor one out for poor Master Tipley. She never had a chance. Um, no. Yeah, so, I mean, and that really, I mean, they have that battle, the bad guys escape, and that's generally the end of the Jedi involvement in this book. But it really does, I mean, their only involvement here is is for that is so that Palpatine can further obscure his footprints and, and send Jedi off in a different path. Like, the, I don't know that they really serve uh, a much bigger purpose in this book. Am I wrong about that? No, the no, Jedi are there yeah. is kind of like um they're, they're like a middleman fight because really the fight that we're getting in mm -hmm. this book in this series of books is um it's Maul's muscle, you know, trying to solidify his crime syndicate against what the Sith are doing, um, or what Palpatine is doing. And it, there's that's the thing about these books that there's so much happening. So you've got that uh you got the crime syndicates and you've got this you know burgeoning you know soon to be empire you have the jedi but then within all of that you have this infighting amongst the syndicates themselves they seem to be unified up to this point right. uh, in the books so leading up to it leading into issue three you know when, when we get an issue two and we see the pikes and black sun um, kind of like claiming, you know, their allegiance behind Maul and uh, in Crimson Dawn and what they're doing in the uh, in the collective, and 
you see things kind of start to fall apart a little bit when they start asking for more help. And, you know, Black Sun's like, hey, you know, like, we need help. And the Pikes are like, you have all the help you need. You guys have everything you need. And the Pike character, the Pike leader at this point is Fife. And Fife, for those of us that have been watching the Clone Wars, is the Pike character who is wearing, like, a full mask. Like, he's mm-hmm. the only, he's kind of like, he's kind of like the major domo to um, Mark Krim. Um, in the new Clone Wars arc with Ahsoka, where we see Mark Krim's face and it's kind of like the cat eyes and kind of all of that stuff. P- Fife is the one who he looks like he has like a full, like a face shield on. Um, and I think, you know, he's named in the credits, but he's not named in the show at all. But now at, at this point in the in the comic series in Son of Dathomir, it seems like he's either speaking on behalf of whoever's leading the Pike Syndicate or he himself is the leader of the pikes at this point so we'll see you know how that all works out and again and it's cool to see that this is a character that was created back in 2013 or 14 when this when these books were being written if he's not in a clone was before this because i don't think he is um and now he pops up in this latest arc with ahsoka as uh you know like i said kind of like a major domo to the person who's leading the pikes in and of itself so there's all of this infighting and intrigue and all of these like little tendrils that are happening, like just within the book that leads to what we get in towards the end of issue three and starting issue four, when everything comes to a head with Mother Talzin's, for lack of a better term, resurrection um, and the fighting that happens there. Yeah, just to real quick, um, I did, when I was watching the latest Clone Wars episode, I was a little confused because I, I remembered when I read this book last time, um, like a few months ago, that the Pikes had bowed out. And I was like, why are the Pikes with Maul again? So I'm really curious as to how that came about. Yeah, there's some, like, yeah, I'm I'm not connecting the dots here fully because... Like we said, like at the beginning of this book, the huts are out, uh, and it seems like Black Sun pulls the shoot somewhere in this book, and the Pikes are like, eh, yeah, I don't know. But yet, when you fast forward to Solo, it seems like Crimson Dawn is. It seems like well, he's, I, I think is it Dryden Voss that says that Crimson Dawn maintains a fragile allegiance with the Pikes, which is oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That holds up. But now I'm questioning more than ever, like, what is Crimson Dawn? Like, yeah. What you, constitutes right? Crimson Dawn? Because it's, it's Crimson no- Dawn at this point had to be something completely new that Maul started up on his own. I mean, he didn't. That's what I'm thinking. Like, he came into Death Watch, all of, you know, that story happened. And then he probably just came in as like. Like, yo, I got the force and you're just going to do what I want. And I'm going to call it Crimson Dawn because my face is red and, I, and like, don't challenge me and, or, you know, find out, you know, that's what I think Crimson Dawn is. Right. Yeah. Because like this and not to steal the thunder from the Ahsoka chat we're about to have, but Maul mentions and spoilers, if you haven't watched Clone Wars yet, the latest episode, <clears throat> earmuffs, do something, turn this off. Um, but Maul meant directly mentions Crimson Dawn in that episode. 
and that, mm-hmm. that episode doesn't take it doesn't take place much like very much time after this arc so like maul, maul moves quick i'll give him that he's he's you know <laughs> he doesn't let the grass grow he went from shadow collective that fell apart and before you knew it he was up and running with with crimson dawn and who's part of crimson dawn i don't know yeah i really don't know but apparently the pikes are super scared of them yes they are for sure um yeah like i said he's i mean (laughs) this whole thing is just another (laughs) painful chapter in Malv's life though right like he comes yeah. so far again, only to fall short again. Like his mother tells him is dead. Uh, and I have to say, like, I'm not a huge Grievous fan, but the moment oh, I love him. <laughs> the moment he kills Mother Talzin, I think is my favorite Grievous moment. I just like the way that like she is holding her own against Dooku and Palpatine. Like she's taken on both of them <clears throat> and she's holding them back, giving uh, Maul the, the chance to escape, and then Grievous sort of playing that non-force using wild card, sort of like there's a there's a great there's a, man the art in that panel is great where yeah great Grievous is sort of like emerging from like all the ex- exploding light energy from the force attacks, and he just runs her through the chest with two of his eight lightsabers, and like he comes in he comes in like IG eleven walking through that lava. Just like a more machine than anything else, and your your ghost BS can't hurt me, and just yeah, and he does her in, and poor mother tells him. I'm sure her death probably looked a lot like um like Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker, where she because at the end of this, she just yeah. she's like this this with this this withered husk, you know. She's like the old tamales I used to eat, you know, just like <laughs> there's just a shell of this thing on the floor, you know. <laughs> yeah like the frame in which she's actually dying is like it's it's haunting like the way that there's like no life left in her face and her body and like all that green mist is just belching out of her and like her her skeleton is sort of falling apart it's very it's very palpatine-esque from rise of skywalker minus the sort of uh flaming flakes of dandruff skin but you're right like by the time she hits the floor She's just a burnt out husk. But during those scenes, the artwork and and earlier I have to say that earlier on I spoke about um, uh, what was her name, Master uh, Tipley. Tipley, yeah, uh, Dooku kills her. It wasn't uh, it wasn't Grievous, but um, yeah, no, the the artwork in, in the Towson fight, just the, everything, the colors, the, the 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 it all it all pops off the screen when you see the the facial expressions and like the way there's one page I'm looking at right now where the, the very top panel is just Mother Talzin's eyes and the rest of the page underneath it is more kind of like her red robes and the, this green mist around her like there's so much intensity in this artwork that just it just pulls everything right off the page and it just it, it heightens the whole experience yeah it's it's gorgeous this artwork and it's like there's so much anger and hatred in these five characters that are yeah. all fighting amongst themselves that when it's all said and done and there's that just that withered husk of Talzin's 
you know, whatever's left of her body, there's a little bit of a mist or a smoke that's coming out of her. That's like, that's like the, that's like the meta of like the reader's eyes and ears of like, holy crap. I just took all of that in and like, there's, there's so much coming off the page. Like I can't praise this, these, the artwork in these books enough. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. I can't, I can't say more than that. It's it. The artwork is, is so descriptive and so evocative of what we would have gotten. And again, it's truncated because we had, we only have four issues, but it, it, it really takes you right into the animated show. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and again, like, like I said, it, it's this is this is just a, a another painful chapter of Maul's life. And and uh, Freddie Prince Jr. I think it was referred to Maul as uh, Sisyphus, just doomed to fail over and over. Like it yeah. happens again in this story, and it it continues to happen to him throughout. Like right until Rebels, right up until his death in in uh, Twin Sons. Like this, just this is just the guy that really can't learn. Like he only accumulates his authority through power and intimidation and he never accumulates any real wisdom or insight it's just he's a he's a bulldog and he never ever shakes that and it 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 kills him literally but you know i i do think there's more to tell with maul and obviously we're going to get to that next week and when siege of mandalore kicks off but from like where does maul go from here like Sure, those uh, Jodo cast and that other Mandalorian. Uh, that was was that Saxon. It does say Saxon in the book, and I was wondering that myself. And I'm like, is that the Gar Saxon? Yeah, who, I was what, wondering what did he, the same thing. He led Gar Saxon led the. Well, it was called like the Protectorate, or um, I didn't get a chance to look. Um, no, so there's okay. somebody out there. It was like somebody, somebody's screaming right now. Whatever the answer is. Commander <laughs> Commander Saxon is in the uh yeah Commander Saxon may have been that other Mandalorian. It's not it's not he's not mentioned by first name but it could very well mm. be Gar Saxon. Love it. So you have uh, maybe probably Jodo Cast and um Gar Saxon who haul literally grab them all, drag him away, put him on board a ship and get him off Dathomir, which, of course, is lost to Maul now. So I imagine they take him back to Mandalore so he can lick his wounds and, and sort of regather himself, which is where uh, Bo-Katan you know, finds out that Maul's still kicking around. And that's kind of maybe where that, that prompts her to you know, leave Mandalore and go look for Jedi help, go look for Ahsoka, which you know she's on uh, Obadiah, with the Martez sisters. Like just to see how tightly interwoven these two stories are. Like it's amazing now to look at these two stories side by side. It's I, I this, this is the kind of thing I live for when it comes to star Wars. I love this kind of thing. You know, looking at the Gar Saxon's Wikipedia, apparently it is the same character. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I was, I'm looking it up right now because there's a female Mandalorian named Varys Lane Cass. Yeah, did I pull Jodo Cass also... out of nowhere? Like, I know, Jodo it... probably, Cass yeah, was a memorable... the... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's also a, uh, a name, uh, Rook, 
cast. Yeah, no, this is Rook cast. Yeah. Johto cast is is Legends, right? Yeah, he was the one that was uh, pretending to be. No, no, no. Johto cast was. Yeah, no, he didn't pretend to be him, but he like didn't he claim to like teach Boba Fett or something like that, and then he eventually said like you know oh yeah I'm Boba Fett and they ended up fighting each other and like yeah 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 I'm I could I could be way off I don't remember yeah, I probably Rook gave some people cast headaches was the right Verslang cast died um. During the Civil War, the Mandalorian Civil War, with the Shadow Collective. So she's already dead by the time that this comes about. Man, it's like, this, this, I mean, it's crazy. This book, like, there's so much gold in these four issues here, man. <laughs> there's, there's so much. There's, there's so yeah. much connectivity. There's such a cool story on display here. Like, you know what else? You know what else the, this these books give us is Ord Mantel in story. Yeah. Even though we don't see it, we hear it more. When in The Empire Strikes Back, we hear about the the Jedi, you know, whatever the business on Ord Mantel. That like we still don't know what the hell happened there because of the <laughs> comics, you know, that ran between A New Hope and Empire and Empire Strikes Back. We never found out about the bounty hunter on Ord Mantel. So. What the hell, Matt Martin, story group? We need answers. I thought for sure that that comic Empire Ascending, I think it was one, one of those comics, like those one-offs that they published right as the titles were transitioning from volume one to two. I thought for sure there was going to be something about Ord Mantell. I don't remember seeing anything. Was something was something there with um, Baylert Valance? Like, is he the, the bounty hunter from Ort Mandel? I, now I have something in my head, but I don't want to say it because I don't want it to be wrong. It's not a trivia competition. <laughs> you, you know, this, <laughs> we're, we're not even <laughs> so, but, but Valance came out of the first, or one of the Han Solo miniseries. And it in the new canon, isn't he not now a Karelian? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's been a while since I've read those books, but his character. Okay, I was right. Go ahead. Okay, so, but but I think, like, because he and Han had connections with the early Empire at one point, you know, Valance gets injured, which is, you know, explains the way his face looks now and the way that it did in Legends, where it's kind of like, you know, looks like that scene in Terminator where he's, you know, pulls whatever. I don't want to get into that, but you know, he's, um, <laughs> I, you know, anybody got time for that, but you know, he's, um, but, I, but I'm pretty sure in the new canon, he's, he's got old ties to Han in, in a way that's like, they're from the same. I, I mean, I could be way off. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. And so, again, somebody's yelling at me like, you're a moron. <laughs> I don't know. So, I remember what I remembered Ord Mantel from. It was a Forces of Destiny episode called Triple Cross, where IG, let's see, IG-88 was involved, um, Kira was involved, and, oh my gosh, these ads, go away, I don't want you. <laughs> um, nah, it went away. 
this stupid ad on my phone. Um, so anyway, there were three bounty hunters that were, um, and bounty hunted. Okay, that was the other one. That's it. Okay, so Triple Cross was an episode that was on Orb Mantel. Bounty Hunted was on Ord Mantel, and that's where Leia gets the Boosh outfit from Maz Kanata. Right. Yes. That's right. A, but that's after Empire, correct? Oh, that's after Empire, yeah. Right. So that's... In, in Empire Strikes Back, they say they talk about the, the bounty hunter they encountered on Ord Mantell. And I don't think that's a story we know yet. Well, listen, we went off on a tangent. Okay, so let's... <laughs> what? Here? A tangent? I'm sorry. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm the new Corey, and I apologize, and I take full responsibility. <laughs> no apologies needed. We, we love tangents. We love tangents here. Um, but before we wrap on Son of Dathomir, is it like have we have we kind of covered it? Well, the story ends up with um, Gar Saxon, who we've confirmed. Um, they come back to pick up Maul to get him out because Mother Mother Talzin, like Maul, is literally standing behind her. She and he's giving kind of like a life essence to her to help her as like she's putting off like this green smoke kind of thing Palpatine and Dooku are both giving force lightning and Grievous steps in you know is about to do her in she pushes Maul way away with her dark side magics basically onto the loading ramp of a ship and Saxon and another uh, Mandalorian take him away and she, he sees Talzin's death. He's reluctant, but they have to go in order to rebuild what they have left. And that's when we find out that Black Sun seemingly walks away from the Shadow Collective. And uh, the Pikes seem to be a little bit more resolute, but still shaky about everything. Again, that's where Five comes in. And Dooku apologizes to Palpatine saying, you know, we, we got to this point and I'm sorry I failed you. And Palpatine says, you have nothing to apologize for. This is all happening the way that I had foreseen it, but certain pieces need to be put in place that I could not manage on my own. And you've done that for me. And there's a very eerie panel at the end of the book where Dooku is kneeling before Palpatine. Yeah. And it's strangely reminiscent of what we see in Revenge of the Sith, where Dooku is left kneeling in front of Palpatine with Anakin there with, you know, both blades, just before we hear Palpatine say, do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> And, and at the end, we're left with a, a single frame of battle droids on Mandalore, just essentially wiping out whatever is left of, you know, the Mandalores, uh, the Mandalorians and um, whatever life is left um, at, at this point. But, we, you know, we do see throughout the course of this, that there are other worlds that are affected. You know, the, the reach of the Shadow Collective wasn't just, you know, what was happening on Mandalore. That was kind of like the hub. 
you know, there was um, a base that was on built into an asteroid field at one point. That's where the Jedi come in. And like, it's so much happening. But yeah, but at the end of it, you kind of know that um, Dooku is, um, man, his, his best days are behind him. He's got nothing left. <laughs> you know, he's, as he's told, like, Palpatine's going to find another younger, prettier replacement for you. And um, he's probably already out there. And Dooku's like, in his Christopher Lee voice, like, I don't know about all that. And that's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. Um, there is that sidious line that he says, like, no count, like saying, it, you know, you don't have to apologize. Everything happened as foreseen. This was a difficult piece to maneuver, but now it is in place. Maul's future has been erased. Um, no, it's not. Ours I mean, is more <laughs> than it has ever been. Yeah. So he's, I guess that's where he's coming from. It's like, we've, we've pushed Maul even deeper down the totem pole. We robbed him of his power base. So, but I, I almost feel like Palpatine wouldn't be happy with the outcome until Maul was actually dead. But he never seems to want to actually kill him. Yeah, and I mean, that's just, I mean, that's that's because reasons, so that they can keep writing yeah. the character. But it seems odd, like, Maul is still out there, and Palpatine knows it, and as far as we know, he never makes another play against him. Actually, that's Maybe we'll learn more because like Yeah. We do learn that Crimson Dawn and the Empire are kind of in league with one another. Like one turns a blind eye, like the Empire kind of turns a blind eye. I don't know what the actual relationship there is, but you see Dryden Voss like gutting Imperial governors. Right. Like running them through with, <laughs> with the, those blades in solo. So there's there's, there's another There's another thing in these comics that shows exactly how Palpatine operates where he's feeding information to Dooku and after Dooku and Grievous are essentially arrested by the Mandalorians and, and put in holding cells, he's getting a message from Mace Windu yeah. or they, they go to see him and you know, Mace is telling them, like, you know, this is the time to act, and this is, you know, this is the point where the Jedi come into to the story, but and you have uh, Chancellor Palpatine at this point, or maybe even Senator, um, <clears throat> where he's saying, you know, like, you know, this, if things go wrong, it, it could spell doom for the Republic. Um, and you, he's talking against the glass looking out over Coruscant, and it's you know, that mirror image of himself where, you know, half of his face is in shadow and it just shows, you know, like to a T how, how Sheev has managed to manipulate every facet of power structures that existed within these different um, organizations, you yeah. know, be they, be they the Jedi, the Senate, the shadow collective, the separatists, like he, it was, it's like the cover of Metallica's master of puppets, you know, like he's just got like, he's pulling it's everybody's marionette. Yeah. It's that marionette dance of like, he's in control of all of it. And you see, it's so, it, 
it's on display so prominently in this series. And then by the end of it, once he finally knows that the pieces on his hollow chest board are exactly where they need to be, to like he knows that he's he's one at this point. Maul and the Shadow Collective was that one um, dark horse that <laughs> was you know what was the thing that you know was was the outlier here, and once that was out of the way, where he knew it wasn't a viable threat anymore, he could just carry on with the rest of the plans that he had foreseen up to this point, and everything was going to fall into place for him. He just knew at that point. Yeah, and it's like this story is sort of a, a little bit of a microcosm as to his grand plan because he does he he lines up Talzin, he gets her to come out. Uh, he lines up Maul's little army and he kind of just wipes out both at the same time. In in a similar way like where his grander plan is to get all the get all the Jedi together and then get all these separatists together and just wipe them all out at the same time. Yeah. Well, it, it's even said, um, I think Dooku says, like, the 10,000 Jedi, like, aren't even going to be a match to him. Just wait and see. Right. Yeah, it's it's all there, man. <laughs> this book, it, this book is amazing. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Knight Brothers. And they, they, I mean, they don't do much other than act as, I guess, cannon fodder in this, but. Yeah, but that's because the one has a stupid name. Viscous. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. Yeah, brother Viscous. Savage Presser was bad, brother Viscous. Savage yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, and yeah. again, like Maul just lost Savage Press not too long before this story starts. Yeah. Anyway, like this, again, this book is is so cool, uh, with all of its connectivity now. Now that like the first time I I reviewed this and read this. We didn't have this Ahsoka arc. We didn't have Siege of Mandalore to look forward to. Solo hadn't come out yet. So it was cool. And it was always like, yeah, this is, I think this is a really important story. But now this, I almost want to go so far as to say this is essential. Like there's, there's stuff. It's become essential. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything that's printed, I, I never want to say that a Star Wars fan needs to read it, but. Uh, I mean, and then that's why we're here is to kind of pull out the important stuff so that people can go into Siege of Mandalore with a little extra context um, and, or, you know, uh, pulling out the things they need to know that that's going forward. I was like, that's that's the bigger problem that comes up when we talk about canon and fandom. io9 put out that story like a week and a half ago about canon, about how we put so much emphasis on the way stories have to connect in. Son of Dathomir came out at a time that it just didn't, you know, looking at it retrospectively, like there weren't the deep ties that felt as relevant as they do right now. When we look at back on what this, this four issue comic series was. And now that we have solo, now that we have a continuation of the clone wars and um, knowing how Maul eventually ended which we didn't have when this series came out to call things like filler or irrelevant at the time that they happen does a disservice to the story in the moment you know son of dathomir came out at a time when there probably weren't plans to continue things and the writers around 
the TV show and other comics and stories, including the Ahsoka novel, found ways to make this story relevant to all of these other different stories. So filler, as far as story structure and storytelling goes within the Star Wars universe goes, I don't, that's the thing that to me doesn't exist. You know, there, there's always ways to make things in those quote-unquote filler episodes relevant later on and make them matter, you know? Well, yeah, and you mentioned that that IO9 piece. Uh, Nathan and I will, will be talking about that in an upcoming episode of, uh, of Luminous Listen, Beings. I, 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 don't know, I don't know anything about that Nathan guy. He has a misunderstanding <laughs> about the forest. But listen, I, listen I, I don't know. I don't know about that guy. Oh man! Oh boy! We gotta get you two together on a, on on a call at some point and see what happens. But, it's, it's, it's gonna be chaos, Nathan. I love you. <laughs> but yeah, and that and that that piece, like, I don't know how I feel about it yet because, in, on one hand, I agree with it that you know the, the, an obsession with all the details and making sure everything lines up properly according to the timeline is really important. At the same time, I, you know, I I don't want it to have to. I don't want it to be used as something to hamstring necessarily uh, creatives, but that's not the time. This isn't the time for this story. Uh, so like, as we kind of segue from son of Dathomir, uh, I want to say, say one more thing. Yeah, please, please do. Um, so there was one really, to me, it's really funny. It's more of a, but um, kind of thing. Cause it's not exactly all that funny, but I think it's hysterical when Grievous says to Dooku, it would be unfortunate if next time we met Count, I had to add your lightsaber to my collection. <laughs> yeah, they, even then, before the before the era of the meme, he was playing on it. Oh God, beautiful stuff! I love it. Love I love it. it so much. <laughs> so good. Again, um, obviously, this comes with a, a high degree of recommendation from all three of us. I think it's safe to say, um, if you can find it, read it. And then read it again. <laughs> I've read it three times. And each time you, you, it's, it's probably like a revelation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. Myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Uh, anyway, so we're going to get out of that and sort of dovetail, as that story does, into this uh, final piece of the Ahsoka arc where she's making her way through the universe, trying to find a path uh, until she gets roped back in. So if you've not seen Clone Wars, we did spoil a little bit of it before, but uh, if you've not seen the, the latest episode together again, uh, this is, I guess this is where you get off for the episode. Um, but uh, if you're in 
then we're going to spoil the hell out of this episode. Um, with with the for- this has the fortune cookie at the start. You can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. And I found that in this arc, the fortune cookies were so on the nose and so like pointing straight at Ahsoka <laughs> that it was like, okay, you guys aren't even try- not even trying to hide what this is about. Like this, <laughs> it spelled it out completely crystal clear. Uh, so this episode picks up right where last week's end with the trio, the Martez sisters and Ahsoka back in prison, waiting whatever punishment the Pikes were, were going to dish out. But that, but they couldn't actually get rid of the sisters or Ahsoka because they, the Pikes, like they desperately needed that spice because they, they feared he, him, right? Like he always knows. And it's, it's put in a way where we're as an audience, we're supposed to ask and wonder who he is. But having seen the trailers and having seen Solo, we know that he is Maul. Yeah. And they're like, we're we're just we we're, I guess we were just waiting for this reveal to come along, but it's nice to see this this arc now starting to shake hands with other parts of the saga, specifically with with Solo. So as 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 I guess really the the next the big thing for Ahsoka is like, she's spent these three, four episodes like struggling to accept like the reality that, that she will need to embrace her Jedi talents to get out of these situations. But I, you know, she concocts this story. Uh, you know, she plays a little bit of a devious card to get the Martez sisters off the hook and away from the Pikes. So I mean, she's still using that resourcefulness that she's having to drum up uh, without resorting to Jedi powers. Like we're seeing some character growth here. Uh, Rick, like what was your takeaway or thought, like general thoughts on this episode as we wrap up this arc? This last episode had, um, it ramped up the story in a way that and I'm going to be a little bit critical. I thought should have happened maybe in the last episode, but regardless of, of, of that, seeing, I mean, well, I mean, listen, this story, this episode starts off with the same infighting that we've had for an episode and a half. And that's not to be, I, I don't want to sound too harsh about it, but by the time the story actually progresses and things start to move away from, um, the pikes and they finally make their way away. This story becomes a story about trust. Everything about Ahsoka's walkabout is trust. And it's key to her character because that's the thing that she lost at the end of season five. You know, she was um, framed and, she had the Jedi Council and the Order essentially turn their back on her with the exception of Anakin. And she walked away from the Order, um, at least in my interpretation, because they didn't back her. She didn't have a trust in the dogmatic view of the Jedi anymore. And I'm sure that was a painful and hard thing for her to hear. And it took the these two sisters, these siblings to relate a story to her about how 
they grew up in a time where trust in the Jedi was a very real and palpable thing. And when their parents died, essentially at the hands of the Jedi, they were told, may the force be with you because (laughs) reasons. And that trust was lost and that that trust was broken. That bond of, 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 of trust was um, betrayed. And it took Ahsoka living through the eyes of these two sisters as much as the bickering and the infighting kind of like dragged on through the story. It took all of that for her to realize that she had to step away from herself for just a little bit to understand that trust was a key issue that she had um, fallen away from. So when Bo-Katan and Ursa Wren um, approached them and at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and other, yes. Um, when they approach her at the end of the episode and they say that, like, you know, hey, listen, we need your help because we share this common enemy. Um, that idea of trust almost kind of, in in my view, leaves her without a choice to say that, like, you know, yeah, you know, maybe we... You saw me, you know, on this one planet. Uh, what was it? Uh, Car, Carnac, Car. What do I, I don't remember the name? Yeah. Of the oh, like that season f- three or four episode, right? Where uh, Bo-Katan, as part of Death Watch, they slaughtered this village, right? Or they they trapped yeah. this village, and so the like the last time Ahsoka saw Bo-Katan in Death Watch, she was like, "What the hell?" Like bad guys. So when she sees them again here, like, yeah, she's she's very nonplussed to see them. <laughs> yeah. But you know, for, for Bo-Katan, she's like, you know, if she's the Jedi that I remember, we can use her or we, we can use her help against this common enemy. But when the question is posed to Ahsoka of like, you know, Hey, you can come with us or not. You have five minutes. Mm. That, that blanket idea of trust comes up again. And it's Rafa who says, no, you have to go. Rafa and Trace are like, you know, you, you're the one who said when people need help, you go and go help them. Trust these people that you have a vague relationship with. And she does. <laughs> and, but but seriously, I mean, like, you know, she leaves at, at the end of, of season five. She walks down these steps. Like This is like a visual parallel. She walks down these steps into a vast expanse of like a sunset. And this last episode ends with her ascending into a very narrow loading ramp to this Mandalorian ship. And the light is coming from the ship and not around it. You know, like that's her call when we talk about it symbolically. So it was a really cool moment to have her finally accept the idea that like not everybody's out to get her, not everybody's out to backstab her. She has to open up her trust to people and they will do the same in turn for her and she's going to help people. Yeah, that, that's really well put. Really, really well put. Marie, what what are you taking out of these episodes and specifically this this final one? Um well I, my biggest thing in this last episode was that 
as Rick said, there was a lot of character development, but I really enjoyed the character development in Trace and Rafa because what Rafa said to Ahsoka at the end where she was like, you're, you're just like, um, you're just like a Jedi. And then Ahsoka's like, oh crap. And then Rafa said the way that we imagine Jedi should be. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I almost started crying. I was like, this is so good. Um, so that was Rafa softening up and realizing not everybody's a bad guy. And you can, she had her own trust issues and she finally was able to trust Ahsoka and, and trace how she went from being this mild, meek kind of person who makes mistakes and is really kind of young to being a complete badass when in the last episode not this past one but the one before when she pretended to faint and then was like I'm gonna beat everybody up and steal their guns and shoot everything and I was like what just happened (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> I thought there was a lot of really good character development with Trace and Rafa, like two characters that we didn't know anything about, and now they have depth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, I, I like how Trace, like she finally in this episode, like steps out from Rafa's shadow and she kind of gets in her face a little bit and ass- asserts herself. Yeah. I, I love that. And, um, like Rafa's a, I, she's so, like, there's, there's no, like, you know what you're getting with Rafa. And that's why, like, by the end, when she sort of softens up, it's, it, it's a, like when she kind of melts it, like that fa- facade in front of Ahsoka, like you go, oh, okay. Like she's been paying attention. She's not just this stubborn person who just bulldozes her way through life. Like, you know, right. she, when Ahsoka lays out that scheme to get the, the, the Martez sisters off the hook. Like the the sisters get back on the silent angel and they go right back as they go back to Kessel right to and they're like oh we're gonna steal some, we're just gonna take some spice and bring it back to the Pikes. Did they go? Is it Kessel? They went to Obadiah because they were stealing spice from the Pikes to give back to the Pikes. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wherever. I mean, I guess locations aren't important, but the 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 plan was like we're just gonna go steal more spice and give it back to them. So that we can get Ahsoka off the hook. Because like before, prior to that point, like to me, like Rafa never really showed any care for Ahsoka. Like she almost flat out dis- disliked her, distrusted her. Yeah. And so the, there, there's a, a bit of an abrupt about face there. So, I mean, I scratch my head a little bit there, but it's a very, it's a very Star Wars thing to do. Like for a character to, <laughs> to do an, out, uh, an about face so quickly. But there is that character progression where... Yeah, maybe, maybe you can break through to these people who are are just so hardened, right? And I I love that the like the mining people that they steal the spice from are the same species as Ben Quadraneros. I oh. know that was, that was so awesome. Good. I love it. They're so funny. They're they're so dopey looking. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> they're so bad, but they're so good. Yeah, they're called the the tongue, T O O N G. Oh, so good. I was like, I know that face. Where have I seen that face before? And I was like, 
it's Ben Quadrimero. So I was like, that's the best. And didn't uh, Josh Brenner voice one of them? Yeah. Yes. That, was, yeah. that actually kind of took me out of the story because yeah. I heard Niku the whole time. So did I. And I was like, gosh darn it. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was a funny voice. Like, the... Oh, oh, flash flood warning. Okay, we're good. <laughs> um so uh but his high squeaky voice was really funny and like it was humorous but i definitely heard niku yeah totally totally heard niku there um you know I, one of the things i thought like coming out of the episode last week like i thought the, the mandalorians bo-katan and ursa ren and other would play a role because like they they showed up last week and we're like oh boy here are the Mandalorians now now business is about to pick up, and I thought they'd play a role in breaking out that trio from the prison, but they didn't and I guess it makes sense because you you don't want to build up these characters and their their predicament for three episodes only to have Mandalorians bail them out. So it like to me it made sense that Ahsoka had to kind of use her wits rather than force powers to get out of the jam or to rely on the mandos, like I said, to come, come bail them out. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this arc. I mean, I thought it was super solid, maybe a bit long. Maybe it was like an episode too long and I get that criticism, but I, I, I thought there was a lot going on here. Important things for Ahsoka. Like, like Dave Filoni has called Ahsoka the main character along with Rex of, of this whole series. And like, for me, what's on display here is like important questions for Ahsoka. Like, can she not help? Like, can Ahsoka actually not help? And like, can she deny that part of who she is? And uh, can she live up to the ideals that she strives for while not being part of that dogmatic whole that betrayed her? You know, like, it's you know repressing the best parts of herself um and, and sacrificing her talents her like those noble talents that she has is that something she can do you know she spends so much time in this arc concealing her powers and using them in very sneaky ways uh, but each time she kind of holds back like she she could have like easily rectified a lot of situations by just using the force but like it's i think right. it's been good for her to have to develop that resourcefulness to not use the force in like such overt ways and like it's good that she finds like alternate ways to intervene but like by the end it it's it's clear that she has a duty to to use her gifts and like i'm i i don't think that could have been done like there was a lot of criticism about like this episode like I saw people this arc saying this arc should have just been skipped or that it should, could have been done in one well-written episode. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. And I'm, I know I'm biased because I love Ahsoka so much, but I think maybe they could have done this in three if they really wanted to. But anyway, like when we look ahead to what Ahsoka's future holds in rebels and, and possibly beyond this arc, like, I think we might look upon back on this arc as like a, a, a key piece that informs the character yeah the thing about ahsoka with with this arc is that she's gotten to a point where she can regain a trust in people 
again, you know, realizing that she had lost it in the Jedi Council. And she's going to get up to a point again where she's going to have her trust in people shaken when Order 66 happens. You know, yeah, she's going to be put she's going to be put in charge with the 332nd, you know, a, a battalion of clones. And it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to see it. Absolutely. Because yeah, they're yeah, the the clones are going to turn on her. We're going to see Order 66 through Ahsoka's eyes. It's going to be I mean, we know she makes it. But it's it's you know, it's it's still going to be exciting yet tough to watch. Yeah. But you know, I I love that line from Rafa where she like Marie you talked about it like she's you may not be a Jedi but you act like one or at least how I want them to be. Yeah. And like I that that's like an all-time great line, I think. And I think that's that's where the, like kind of the that's what ties so tightly in with the the fortune cookie of you can change who you are but you cannot run from yourself. Like that's I think that was the moment for Ahsoka once Rafa told her that. Like she's like, okay, I, she uh, Ahsoka was like said she's afraid to follow where the path might go, you know, i.e., back to the Jedi. But you know, when you go back to the fortune cookie from the first episode, uh, I think uh, if if there is no path before you, create your own. So Ahsoka does not have to be be a Jedi to do the work, good work that the Jedi were supposed to do. Now, what does that say about Ahsoka when we look at this arc and we look at the previous arc and then we go back to the trailer that we got for the Clone Wars and her introduction back to Anakin where she says, hello, Master. And Bo-Katan is right behind her. Like, there's like a little tinge of snarky looking at it like yeah i mean she's she has total respect for anakin she's she never loses that but when she's face to face with him again where she's kind of like oh like hello i'm back and (laughs) there's just a little bit of attitude like oh you thought you could get rid of me sky guy but i'm back yeah a little bit (laughs) a little bit of that snip snip uh, snips snarkiness right Yeah, that that yeah, for sure. And I I don't know if they're gonna meet face to face. Is it in a hologram where they meet in that that first trailer? Yeah, and I maybe they have a a face to face meeting where he give like where he says like here you go here's the three thirty second, have fun. Or is it gonna be changed? Like will they will the story eventually be like oh I'm gonna send you Rex and the three thirty second, they'll meet you on right Mandalore. because chronological chronologically and within Clone Wars timeline, last time we see Anakin, he's still on Coruscant with Yularen on one of those ships that they fly by in, was it the third episode of this arc? Did we see Anakin in this arc? The second episode, I think. Whatever episode it was, it it was the one that mirrored the... um, The one where they... Yeah. yeah. The shuttle Tidarium flying by... uh, the second Death Star, um, that whole mirror thing. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely, that's right. It's what it, 
it's when the Silver Angel is leaving Coruscant and Anakin, and then they end up in the uh, the military lane and Anakin senses something's up and Yularen is like, you know, whatever. I don't know. Do I hold up the, the ship? It's, it's, it's right. Yeah, it's right. basically a mirror of that scene in, in Return of the Jedi where... It, it, it's all it's basically shot for shot like you know i've seen side by side comparisons of, of the, like the framing and all that like those scenes like it's exactly the same yeah that that's yeah cool i love that i love that parallel star wars is known for that i think <laughs> <laughs> but you know like so we've talked about this arc and we've talked about uh, siege of mandalore but there's an, one more small piece which i don't know if it's going to be adapted or pulled from but the the uh the prelude the prologue of the ahsoka novel Mm. like Mm. that now also becomes a key piece of reading if you've got the ahsoka novel you might want to read those first five pages uh before next week's episode starts the first two words mandalore burned and what follows over the next five pages is sort of like the end of what I think is the end of the siege of Mandalore. So this, that presents such a huge question about how Mandalore burns. We've seen Ursa Ren in this Clone Wars arc. We don't, do we know exactly how old Sabine is leading into rebels? Because we find out in Sabine that, whatever weapon that she designed is the weapon that led at the end, you know, to the downfall of Mandalore as a people on Mandalore where, you know, it targets them, you know, through their armor and basically burns them from the inside out. And it's like, um, that's the episodes where they're, they find the giant Kyra crystal um, that we find out that backstory in Rebels, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. is that the cat, you know, is that the thing that brings about the downfall that could be later than the Clone Wars when we talk about stuff with Moff Gideon in um, The Mandalorian? Or is there just an all out battle between Republic forces and Mandalorians, you know, through. And, you know, in, in the um, in the Shadow Collective with Maul, you know, the, the timeline is a little sketchy because it, Sabine would have to be really young at this point. Yeah, um, she'd, she'd be a, if that's the a case. baby. She'd be like maybe a, t- yeah. maybe a toddler at this particular point. She but was that a, means that, like 16 or something in Rebels. She seems to be older than than Ezra in Rebels. We, what? I, yeah, son, I think Ezra Isaac, was like. 13 or 14. Yeah, when, when it starts, yeah. the Empire. But I, she appears to be a few years older, so I, I don't know. Maybe well, like, whatever okay. that weapon is that she comes up with, you know, pops up later on, and that's, you know, closer to the Rebels timeline than the Clone Wars timeline, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say, like, whatever, wherever we are exactly on the, on the timeline, we're at Revenge of the Sith, basically. I mean, this is like uh, Sabine would be less than five years old. I mean, I think I think that's for sure. And somewhere on somewhere on the web is information that says exactly how old Sabine is, but she's she's just little. 
I mean, she, she's got a couple years on, on Ezra. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's still so much to answer. Mm. But like in, in reading those five pages to kick off the Ahsoka novel, a lot, a lot of the dialogue between um, Maul and Ahsoka is already written. So I wonder if, they're, again, like, will they just adapt it? Are we going to almost see like a frame? Like, um, if I was E.K. Johnston, I'd be pretty damn excited right now. Yeah, I get to see some of my 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 dialogue put into live action, like or into into uh, like a Disney Plus show. That's pretty rad. So if they do that at all, or you know, just not step over it and just like, well, here's epilogue, and we see Ahsoka in a place, you know. Yeah, I wonder if they do that. Oh, boy, because <laughs> I, I guess if you're E.K. Johnston right now, like. You're either like, oh my goodness, my, my, uh, some of my work is about to be really put on a pedestal here in in a Disney Plus show, or it's going to be completely overwritten. I would hope so for her sake that they have just like that little tiny bit of overlap because she's great. She's such a nice person, you know, by having met her um, just the week prior to Celebration last year. But like, she's awesome. And I, I would like to see just that lit, just a one little tiny thread of like, here's that thing from my book that I wrote and it's going to be in the show because I think she deserves it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think we're going to get more. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta think that there's going to be more than a little overlap. Again, this is just like a little, a little bit of, of, of the siege of Mandalore. So they don't have to lock it all in, but this is Maul versus ahsoka in this five pages so i mean this is it's got to be here it's got to be in the show but anyway um how oh boy and there's there's another scene later in the novel uh that details exactly how ahsoka and rex kind of go into hiding right and that's kind of heartbreaking yeah, they, so i i can almost yeah, see yeah they buried they bury her sabers and stuff and yeah they toss uh, like because they're all clones you can put a clone in a grave and say well this one was rex and that's i think that's what rex does he kind of like uses a, another fallen clone to sort of stand in his, his body and then he just darts off splits away from ahsoka and that's you know we don't see them together again until until rebels but yeah i mean the, this season of Clone Force has not rubbed everybody the right way, and I I get why. I suppose I don't agree with very much of the criticism, but these next four episodes are going to be exactly what people wanted. Yeah. Anyway, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to get into these, but uh, just got a few few short days to wait until we. And they're probably going to make us wait. You know what? Like we're gonna get in, into that first episode, and no, nothing's gonna happen. It'll be a setup episode. Absolutely, it's gonna be a Soaker meeting Rex and getting to Mandalore. Getting ah, it's gonna be all kinds of introductions and lay of the land type <laughs> stuff. We're we're probably gonna have to wait like two, three weeks before we get to the really good stuff. But I'm here for it. I can't wait to. I can't wait for this arc. I've been looking forward to this for so long now. I have a question about what do y'all think this last episode, the title, Together Again, who? 
Like, I couldn't... When I was writing my review of the episode, I was like, are they talking about um, the Mandalorians and Ahsoka? That doesn't really make much sense. Are they talking about Trace, Rafa, and Ahsoka? But they were together at the beginning of the episode. So I was like, what does together again mean? Probably the lead up to Ahsoka with... um... Uh, the clones, I would imagine. You know, I it, it it can't be something that's super literal to the episode in and of itself. Yeah, like I wonder if it's if it's sort of the Martez sisters were never really apart, but now they 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 were always sort of pulling in opposite directions, and now they seem to be in lockstep with each other. Like they seem to be in a better place than when they when we first met them. So I wonder if I like that. Or maybe it's just like a whole meta thing of just like Clone Wars fans of like we are all coming together again for this one last story. <laughs> Could be that too, for sure. It just yeah, it seems yep. disjointed though, because like if, if the title of Together Again applies to the Martez sisters, then you would think that the Easter egg does as well. But that maybe and maybe in some way it does, and I'm not seeing. But the Easter egg or the 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 fortune cookie certainly points to Ahsoka. So I don't know. I don't know if if it really works that way or. If... Hey, maybe we're looking too deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Which I is what we do. Analyze titles. That's what we. It's what the we do. Star Wars fans never do that. Star Wars fans never do things like that. Never. <laughs> never. No, it's never happened in the forty-two years. Never. <laughs> all right uh anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this up as as it pertains to this episode or or this arc no nothing uh to the arc itself but i was uh looking at an article saying that um well, i don't know maybe this isn't something i want to go into because it's more speculative so never mind are it you had sure to do with, uh, yeah, no, it it had to do more with with just Disney as a whole, and uh, I don't want to get into this stuff because I don't think any of it's super factual. But yeah, I had some tinfoil hat wearing person tell me that. Uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, one of those things again. Maybe probably not worth getting into. It was just yeah. let's just say it was it was from somebody who did not appreciate this arc whatsoever. Four wasted episodes as, as, uh, goodness. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. And if you go on Instagram and read the comments every time Star Wars posted about this arc, it's just, it's, it's a hellscape of people just saying, these are stupid episodes. These are stupid characters. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, I just, just, just like all the rational responses to the character reveals for uh, the high republic oh god yeah but it was super calm about all of that i mean you know haircuts and stuff i don't want to get a headache at the end of the show it's been it's been fun let's not let's not ruin it (laughs) (laughs) all right so big time big fun coming up with siege of mandalore starting next week Uh, we'll get into that then but that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast uh, if you want to be part of it, send your questions, your thoughts to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. 
and uh, we'll get we'll get to your questions and comments on a future episode. Uh, shout out to Rob Wade for endorsing this episode and all episodes of Tumbling Saber as part of the E14 Endorse program, which you can learn more about at Emotionally14.com. And also be sure to check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. We've got a lot of friends, a lot of podcasts, doing great work. Check it out on Apple Podcasts. We're, we're listed as a podcast provider, so you'll find all our shows there. And you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, just do a, Just search Star Wars Commonwealth. Uh, and so, Rick, Marie, thanks for joining me this week. And uh, Marie, where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Alia Morgan on Twitter. You can find my reviews of the TV shows and all the different print material, including children's books and reference books at um, the Star Wars Review.blogspot.com. And then I write some reviews and other types of articles for BeyondTheBlastDoors.com. You do a lot of work. You publish, <laughs> you publish a lot of content and it's all good. Thank you. Rick, where do we find you, sir? Uh, you can find me on that old Twitter machine at Cad Bane's Bounty, um, celebrating the 80th anniversary birthday of Robin from the DC Comics in a way that our friend Troy the Boy would not appreciate because I was one of the people who was old enough to have voted oh, no. in the death of Jason Todd you didn't. back in the day. I was probably the one deciding vote the vote that uh, tipped the scales because it was pretty close. And I remember making that phone call and I was like, I don't like this dude. And then he died. And um, that's where I'm at on the, uh, the old Twitter uh, thing with the uh, death in the family. Sorry, Troy, the boy, I will arm wrestle you every day of the week over Jason Todd's death because uh, the Joker was awesome in those books. Uh, you can also find me in a place where Troy the Boy cannot be found because it's super safe and super chill. It's our Tumbling Saber Facebook group <laughs> where um, we talk about Star Wars and Troy the Boy is not allowed because um, his arms are too big and he can't make his way through the doorway. So <laughs> that's where you can find me. I also guest on another show uh, every once in a while called uh, the Drunken Menace Podcast and you, we can be found at... Uh, Holy shit, I can't remember the name of the thing, but that's where we are. Drunken Menace. How apropos. <laughs> that is apropos. Oh, my God. Uh, you can find me at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, on Instagram, and also, like Rick said, in the Facebook group, the Tumbling Saber Closed Facebook group. Come join us there. Uh, otherwise, uh, find the rest of the crew in there. Corey's in there. Carlos is in there. Everybody's there having some fun. Uh, and that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed our chat about Son of Dathomir and the Ahsoka arc. Uh, tune in next week. Siege of Mandalore begins. Can't wait for that. Uh, but until then, until then, everybody, have yourselves a great week. Stay safe, and may the Force be with you. Bye! Wash your damn hands. draws me closer to your place willing me through my dreams fall away signs blindly 
Lions on your face Beating Strong Drifting Not relive this dream Over And over And over Again Please don't breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not relive this dream over and over And you run And find the strength that you gave. Those walls you build is all for me, and I become the man I want to be. Your love and your Running away, darling Please don't